0: Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show.
1: Miami, Denver. You know, the Heat might be one of the best stories in NBA playoff history. If they finish this, they're arguably the best story in NBA playoff history. However, they don't always look like that, do they? Sometimes they look like one of the all-time great stories, one of the all-time great underdogs, and then other times they look every bit of the play tournament, eight seed, that they are. And last night was definitely one of those times. Now, the Joker, on the other hand, is always on his game. Always looking like the best player in the entire world right now. Although I'm not sure that the Joker has ever been more on his game in a bigger spot than he was last night. At least his stat line would suggest he's never been more in his game in a bigger spot. In fact, his stat line would suggest that pretty much nobody has ever had a bigger game in a bigger spot because nobody has ever had a 30-20-10 game in NBA Finals history until Nikola Jokic went 32-21-10 last night. That any good? No? Not good enough for you? Then how about Jamal Murray too? How about Joker and Jamal both putting up triple-doubles last night? Anybody impressed yet? You should be because teammates with 30-point triple-doubles in the same game is not a thing. Or at least it was not a thing until last night. Before last night, it had literally never happened ever. And I don't mean never ever happened in the finals. I mean, it never, ever happened in the sport. It's incredible. No two teammates had ever had 30-point triple-doubles in the same game ever. And so Joker and Jamal went absolutely nuclear last night. It is an incredible stat. Well, an incredible stat to me, but not to Joker, though. Apparently, uh... Oh, Tim Duncan reincarnated does not get impressed by stat sheets.
0: You're uh, not a guy who cares a lot about your stats, but when you have a line that's never been accomplished before in, in finals history, what do you think of that?
2: Um, to be honest, I just think uh, it's a win, you know, because if you lose, nobody's gonna even mention. Even I mean, to be honest, I, I don't care. Uh, it's just uh, it's just a stat.
1: My guy, I mean, I would agree. It is just a stat. A ridiculously impressive stat. A historically significant stat.
2: It's just a stat.
1: A truly stupid stat. An idiotic stat. Joker. It's just a stat. Dude, I could not love the humility any more than I do. But you do understand that these stats are how we measure athletes, right? I'm not saying they're the only things that matter, but they do matter. You know, like stats are going to get you into the Hall of Fame. Stats are going to get you basketball immortality. Stats are going to get you your next max deal and the next max contract after that. So maybe ease up on the stats are meaningless, my guy. You're just the stats. I'm not saying that they're not more important than the dubs. But those stats are going to make you lots and lots and lots of paper and make you the legend that you are in part. But I get it. I get it. He is the ultimate team dude. He is focused on a ring, and he's not easily impressed. Probably, (laughs) probably because he puts up stupid stats every single night that he runs out on that enormous frame, that enormous frame of his on the hardwood. But you know who usually does not go off? Rookie rotation players. They normally do not go off in the finals. But try telling that to Christian Brown because apparently he didn't get the memo. Damn, that rookie came through huge last night. My dude did not look scared. My dude did not look intimidated. He did not look timid. My dude barely missed a shot. That was an enormous 15 points in just 19 minutes off the bench. Seven of eight shooting. And for all of the Joker and Murray heroics, and they were amazing. Absolutely amazing. I'm going to say that Brown probably tipped the game Denver's way. And I think Michael Malone was on his way to making that very point before he got distracted mid-sentence right in the middle of his postgame comments last night. Check out my dude, Michael Malone.
0: I have to give Christian a lot of love. I, I felt his play, what a bad press room, by the way. I felt Christian Brown's play was fantastic. Did not look like a
1: rookie. My dude, hey, listen, you know I'm biased. I don't play favorites, but Michael Malone's one of my all-time favorites. And it's for reasons like that. So Christian, hey, by the way, what a bad press room.
2: What a bad press room, by
1: the way. Dude just stops midway through talking about the rookie to calmly trash and very a matter-of-factly say... How much Miami's media setup sucks. And then casually gets right back to talking about Brown like nothing happened. I mean, so my guy comes off the bench and gave us all this positive energy. And and by the way, what a horrible press room. What a bad press room, by the way. He was seriously like Christian really stepped up for us tonight in a huge spot. And man, there is some crappy lighting in here. Are these fluorescents? And who was the moron that picked out the wallpaper? Tacky as hell! And y'all got carpet up in here? Psst! Please, Psst. please. Nineteen seventy-eight called. They want their tacky style back. Yo, what man. What a bad press room, by the way. What a garbage press room, by the way. Awful. Garbage. Just awful. Anyway, Christian's play was fantastic. He didn't look like a rookie. And you got to love Michael Malone. You got to love this dude's intensity about everything. He can even get red-assed after an amazing performance by his team about the media room. Like, everything matters. I love that about that guy. Everything matters. If you had that approach to life, your life, my life, all of our lives, the world would be better. So much better if you just took that into consideration. Everything matters, including the Miami Heat press room. It's what a terrible. bad press room, by the way. What a bad press room, by the way. And credit—you know—it would have been one thing if he said that, like if he was all bitter and red-assed after a loss. He said that after an amazing win. So, and going back to basketball, credit to Michael Malone for calling out his team's effort after Game Two. Because that's exactly why he did it. That's the response he was looking for. You rarely hear a head coach call out their own team publicly for an effort in the NBA Finals, unless you're Michael Malone, which he did out loud and clear, and it worked. Just like a lot of the things that he does work. This is why I'm not at all surprised that Denver showed up the way they did last night. Now, here's what I am surprised about. Here's what I'm shocked about. That Miami showed up the way they did last night. I'm shocked about Miami's effort, or lack thereof. Like, how do you come out that flat at home after ripping back the home court in game two? How do you have that low energy of a game in that spot? The Heat were out-rebounded 58-33 to in this game. They nearly got doubled up on the glass. That's incredible. Miami nearly got lapped on the boards. And it felt like they got their asses kicked on every loose ball, every 50-50 ball, and every time anytime anybody went to the floor. What I'm saying is, and I never thought that I would say this, the Miami Heat got straight bullied. Bullied in their own house in the finals. Like their very identity is to never get outworked never get out physical, never get out-hustled, never get out-gritted. And that's exactly what happened, and that's why they got their asses kicked. Because everybody knows Denver's more talented. Hell, Miami knows Denver's more talented. But since when has that mattered this postseason? It hasn't. Just as long as that famed Miami Heat culture shows up. Except last night, it was nowhere to be found. Which to me is baffling because... Their very identity is that it shows up every damn night. That even if their shots aren't falling, they can always fall back on their legendary heat culture. Yeah, well, the shots weren't falling, and their toughness was nowhere to be found, and they again look like the eight seed that they are. I'm not saying they can't bounce back, because they generally do. Not saying they can't bounce back from that curb stomping. What I'm saying is, I never would have expected the Miami Heat to get mugged and bullied the way they were on their home floor in the NBA Finals, and especially from a team that they obviously thought was just too finesse. And how do I know they thought that? You know, Spo would cut me off right now and say, no, 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 no. We did not. We would never say that. Yeah, obviously you did think that. U.S. Cellular has some great news, especially for you, person listening to this podcast. Right now, you can get one line with unlimited data for just $29.99. So, unlike other cell networks, you won't have to pay for lines. You don't need just to get a good price. Get one line for $29.99 with unlimited data today. U.S. Cellular, built for us. Terms do apply. Visit uscellular.com for details. Obviously, you thought the Nuggets were too finesse and a little bit soft because you took your foot off the gas after you ripped Game 2 and the home court, only to have it come back and bite you in the ass on your floor last night, and now you've lost the home court. Essentially, that's a low-effort, low-energy whiff of a ball game from the Heat. Hey, but if you don't want to listen to me and you don't care what I have to say, great, fine. Take it from Hemi Buckets. Hemi himself was the first one to admit it.
2: We feel great. We didn't play our best tonight. Uh, I feel like we just got to come out with more energy and effort, and um, that's correctable. That's on us as, uh, as a group. No X's and O's can fix that. So, you know, come out, dive on the floor, get loose balls, get defensive rebounds, and um, maybe, just maybe, it would have been a different game.
1: Maybe. Listen, that's not the first time that guy's come off a loss and said that, and then they came back. But why is this still a thing? How could effort, especially from the Miami Heat, when that's their calling card, that's who they are, that's their separation, effort. Why was the effort lacking in the NBA Finals when they had ripped the home court? That makes no sense. I mean, you do know. Let me see if I can borrow a line from Jeff Green. You do know it's the bleeping Finals, right?
2: It's the f***ing Finals, man.
1: It's the bleeping Finals, man. It's
2: the f-ing Finals,
1: man. How are we talking about a Miami Heat effort letdown in the bleeping finals, man? The finals, man. I mean, not only that, but how are we talking about that right after we were oh. talking about a Nuggets yeah. effort letdown I mean, after game two? I mean, guys, I guess it really does need to be said. I can't believe it needs to be said, but it needs to be said, it's the bleeping finals, man. It's the f-ing finals, man. Man, step it up. It's the bleeping finals, man. It's the f***ing finals. Drink man. some bleeping What's big face coffee, man. But bring some freaking energy to it, fellas, because for the last time, it's the bleeping finals, man. It's the f***ing finals, man. Incredible. Like, effort is the last bleeping thing we should be talking about from that team. You know why? It's the bleeping finals, it's man. It's the f-ing finals, man. One more thought about Michael Malone. Look, I understand why he's ornery. What a bad press room, by the way. What a great line, by the way. What an awesome moment, by the way. What a great play, by the way. What a bad press room, by the way. Legend. I know why he's so ornery. It's Denver's first finals in forever. His guys are putting up historical performances and numbers and yet they're getting no shine whatsoever, none. Like, we're giving the Nuggets the respect, but last night it was barely a blip on the map next to CP3 and the gigantic crater that was left after all the nuclear Zion news. So many questions, so many questions. My first thought, Probably the most riveting gender reveal announcement ever. I mean, dang. I would tell Mike to put that in his pipe and smoke it. Put that in
2: your pipe, you smoke
1: it. Hey Mike, put that in your pipe, you smoke it. Put that in your pipe, you smoke it. Except I'm not going to say that because the air quality is bad enough. Shout out to my CBS fam in NYC. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Don't make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper instead. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clear View bag. You can see the quality you are buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. And if you don't see it, Ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Well, Trapper, what's your beef? We are joined by Devin Lloyd once again. Devin, it's good to have you back. How are you?
2: I am so great, and I just want to say whoever that was in the background, that was a great Duval.
1: It <laughs> wasn't that. That is the queen. That's Danica. She's part yeah. of the program. Yeah. She is the best, dude. In fact, why don't we just let me just jump right ahead to Duval. I mean, even through thick and thin, you're only in your number two. The fans have always been there. What is it like bawling out for those fans, and especially right now since things are so good?
2: Well, they're just so supportive. Um, especially as we started to, you know, play better throughout the year, even more and more showed up. But they've always. Been there, like you said, and they just love football. They love the Jags, us being pretty much the, um, the main attraction uh, in Jacksonville. You know, they love their football. And, you know, I mean, we're always appreciative for every time they show up, especially towards the latter part of the year when we play some substantial games. Uh, they really showed up and showed out.
1: They always do. They show up, they show out, and I love the energy. Even here in California, this is why this is a big Duval house. I love the vibe. I love the energy. Listen, it's good to run you down once again. I'm curious. You're coming off your first NFL off season. So how did you approach it, and what did you do to improve mentally and physically?
2: Yeah, first off, um, as soon as the season was done, I just got away from football. I got some time off to recover my body, first and foremost, recover my mind, and um, you know, just just get back to feeling fresh. You know, the season wears you down, so I had to get back to feeling fresh. And then, you know, about a month in, really just starting to build things back up. Um, you know, I think the the substantial time away was much needed for it being my first off season. Um, but um, just slowly started to build things back up from there, and really, um, I'm at a point now where I feel great um, mentally, physically, spiritually. Um, You know, I feel great, and, you know, we're still in a phase where we're just continuing to to build it back even more.
1: Devin Lloyd joining us. You know what's curious to me about that? Correct me if I'm wrong, but you were never that guy. You were never a get-away-from-football guy. You were never a big vacation guy, were you? That was something new for you, wasn't it?
2: Yes, yes. I have definitely learned how to balance time away from football even better, and I think that's going to help me in the long run. Um, but, yeah, I mean, before I was just always, it was football, 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 like all the time, you know, trying to get better, trying to improve my craft, trying to just um, just work, work, work. Um, but really understanding now, especially, you know, after such a, a rigorous NFL season, um, you realize that you, you could easily burn yourself out. And so I think my balance of life away from football, I think that's a, the one of the biggest areas of growth that um you know I really started to master especially over this off season
1: We're talking to Devin Lloyd so Devin the thing is like I read your numbers you put up really big numbers last year you know the old saying that the standard is the standard standard above feelings despite those big numbers last year do you feel like you ever set your own personal standard last season
2: yeah i did and i mean really the standard is just being able to watch film and not having plays that you just regret, you know. I think there's always good and there's bad, sometimes ugly. But there's some plays where you just really, really want that back. And, you know, I had more than I wanted to see out there last year, you know, understanding that it was my rookie year and that's going to happen. But there was more than I wanted to see out there. And so I think that's just the, the biggest jump. And that's why I don't feel like I necessarily met that standard last year. And so um, I think that's going to also be one of my biggest areas of growth as far as improvement um, on the field. Um, but really, just um, the standard is always going to be the standard, and uh, it's a standard of excellence, but it's not perfection. Understanding that, you know, I am human and I'm going to make mistakes, but just understanding that. I just want to be the best version of myself every time I step on the field.
1: Yeah, exactly right. Like, I could argue in your defense and say, hey, listen, you're being pretty tough on yourself. And, by the way, you missed a big part of training camp, so maybe you're being really tough on yourself, but this is what's going to make you great by holding yourself to the standard. So now a year later, and now you're healthy, you feel great, you're at OTAs. How much more comfortable and confident are you in year two of this system compared to a year ago?
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I truthfully believe that it was night and day just because, Going into last year, it was a lot of firsts, and, I mean, even throughout the coaching staff, it was, you know, first-time position coach, first-time D.C., first-year rookie. It was a lot of firsts for all of us, so just all of us as a group, um, you know, and me understanding what it's like now, what the culture is like, what the environment is like, and what to expect coming, um, you know, in the fall. I mean, I really do see a night and day difference, um, even just during these OTAs um the communication is sharp the energy is on point and i'm just speaking you know as a group but you know how i fit into the puzzle um you know i think everybody is just clicking and it, i mean it just is so much better
1: is is it like all of a sudden you can see things a lot more clearly maybe things that you didn't see so well last year and because of that can you play so much faster and because you're playing faster are you just kind of like being an athlete reacting and not thinking so much is that what it comes down to
2: 100% right yes 100% right more anticipation opposed to reaction um i mean really understanding the defense now that we had time away from ball we're not scheming or anything like that so really i had i had a chance to just master the defense and know how to play within the scheme understanding who's working me working with me at times so really just understanding the scheme um you know that's going to be uh, another crucial part of, of growth from last year.
1: Devin Lloyd joining us for a few more moments. I want to cover a couple of topics with you. So the Jags overcame that three and seven start. They win the AFC South. I mean, an amazing year last year. And then on top of that, you cap it with that incredible comeback win over the Chargers in the wild card round. And Trevor Lawrence, of course, showed out huge. I mean, you see this guy every single day in practice. How far did he come last season? And then what kind of a leader is he?
2: Yeah, he he definitely leads by example. Um, I think he's always doing the right thing. And the thing that I noticed about him that is just absolutely great is his humility. He's just so humble um, because he has all the talent in the world, uh, God-given talent, and, you know, he's so genuine. And so, I mean, I just think with his attitude and his mindset, it's going to be nothing but success. It doesn't matter the trials he faces. He's always going to find a way to mentally get through it, and that's when you see, you know, games like the Chargers game where everything was going wrong and yet he, he stayed calm, he, he remained in faith, and we got the job done. And, I mean, you know, that spreads throughout the team, but throughout the whole team in general as well, you know, starting with Doug Peterson, you know, the head coach who is, you know, the same way, just extremely humble but fierce competitor. And, I mean, that just trickles down throughout the whole team, and this team has nothing but faith.
1: De- Devin, I'm going to ask you about Doug Peterson in a minute, but when you, that point you made about Trevor, that when things were going so wrong, he remained so calm. And then afterwards, he told that great story about how it's he kind of got that in part from my like, guy, Jocko Willink, that when things go wrong, it's like, good, good, good. And then some of the guys talk about that. Are you familiar with that? Do you know that philosophy? Like when all hell is breaking loose and things are bad, Jocko would say, good. What that then means is, and he'll insert some reason why it's good.
2: Yes, I've heard that before. And I think it's just reassurance to yourself of, uh, first of all, not saying the wrong things, you're saying the right things, accepting what comes to you, and, you know, just, I mean, really just finding a way, you know, I mean, it doesn't matter how it looks, you have to accept the adversity, and I did hear that before, but, um, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but... I mean, you know, somewhere along those lines, it was something like that. Yeah, you
1: no, know, you're right. I'm curious, Devin. Like, you, you obviously work on the mental aspect of the game. How important is it what you say to yourself, how you say that thing to yourself, especially when things are not going right? Is that something you put a lot of time into, that self-talk?
2: Yes, 100%. And it's so important just because everybody is so good at this next level. So you have to separate yourself somewhere, and I find – It's definitely on the mental side of the ball, what you're saying to yourself. Um, You know, our coach, uh, Bob Sutton, he says your mind goes um, in the direction of your most dominant thought. And so, you know, whatever you truly believe, more often than not, it's going to happen. And so, you know, I choose to believe the right thing, say the right thing, and um, not just myself, but really the whole team. You know, we, we when you say the right things, the right things happen to you.
1: And by the way, it's conscious, right? Like, it's a muscle. It's a discipline. You can develop it other than letting your mind control you and kind of running off a muck. You can learn to control your mind, but you have to work at it, right? It's like a muscle.
2: Yes. Yes, 100%. And I, I really um, basically eliminated the word can't out of my vocabulary. Um, every time I find myself saying, like, even if if it comes out accidentally, I'll be know i won't or you know i'll just correct myself right there but i mean it's definitely a mindset and you definitely have to train yourself um but you know even stuff like can't, i think can't is the most you know uh common term and i think it's just something where you have to train yourself it's not that i can't do this it's, i haven't done it yet
1: no i love that here's another one and i did not make this up instead of i have to it's i get to oh yeah. man i have to do this no I get to do this. There's a lot of them. Let me ask you this. Now, you're clearly not somebody who's looking to get out of putting in the work. However, I heard Coach canceled the final OTA today. How fired up were you and the rest of the fellas when you found that out?
2: Man, that was awesome. Um, You know, we definitely had an inkling just because the schedule was a little different, but we didn't know what it was going to be. And when he said it was paintballing, uh, everyone was ecstatic. And that was a great time. Um, I mean, a lot of it had to do with team camaraderie, uh, building relationships outside of football. And I think that only strengthened our relationships even more. But then it's also fun going out and competing in something other than football. Uh, You know, we have ping pong. We have little stuff in the building. But I think that being so live action in real life, it it was great. And, um, I mean, it was just a good time.
1: Hey, dude, what is your strategy, your paintball strategy? Are you going to camp or are you going to go out and hunt?
2: Man, so the first game we were kind of playing conservative. Um, You know, a lot of guys were back and we kind of tried to attack the sides and we lost. So we realized that didn't work. So the next three games that we played, we were just hunting. We were aggressive. We had guys um, surrounding the uh, perimeters. And, um, I mean, really, just everyone was just hunting. Everybody was attacking. And we figured out that that was um, what we were the best at.
1: I like it. You made the adjustment. So one final thought. You know, the last time I did this, I haven't paintballed in a while, but I've got a couple of sons, and one of them wanted to do it for their birthday. We actually had a big paintball party at Camp Pendleton. And that was tough, dude, because the terrain was tough. Like, I'm rolling ankles. I'm like the old head. The kids were out there having a good old time. But what was the <laughs> terrain like where you guys played?
2: We had one area that was in the woods, so it was however you would imagine the woods to be, and the other two were actual um, turf surfaces, and you know they had different blockades and things like that. But we played on both, and uh, the woods was definitely an adjustment because we had played on the turf, flat surface terrain for you know the first three games. Um, but I mean, they they had a good mix. They definitely had a, a great. Um, set up. I forgot the name of uh, the part, but uh, they did a great job. Dude,
1: did any of the guys have their own custom paintball guns? Because every party has one.
2: No, no, because nobody knew we were paintball, okay. and I'm All sure right. somebody would have brought one, but we would have said, no, nah, you can't use
1: that. I <laughs> got it. He is in his second year with the Jacksonville Jaguars, coming off a good rookie season. But like he said, I want to make it even better. And, Devin, you sound great, you look great, and really good to have you back on the show, man. I appreciate it. We'll do it again, I'm sure.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I hope you appreciate you. You had a great day. Today. Appreciate it. Yeah, you too. Duval!
1: Good energy. Do move all. Love the Jags. Oh. The Jags are one of those. Vincent, goodwill is all over it. Vince, what's going on? How are you?
0: Hey, Jim. Good to be on with you again, man.
1: Always good to have you. Appreciate you. All right, let me ask you first, before we talk about Miami, I want to get your reaction to to the way the Nuggets reacted last night to Michael Malone challenging their effort after they blew that 15-point lead in Game 2 and lost. What was your reaction to what you saw last night?
0: Well, I mean, if if your coach comes out and says, we got pumped, If you don't respond, that means that either the coach is the wrong coach for you or you got the wrong players. And Michael Malone is no punk. And he's, you know, he's a bit on the sometimes abrasive side, but I feel like his players know who he is, and they knew that he was right. Like Miami came in there in game two, and Denver got a little too cute. They were smelling themselves for a few days after that game won't win. And now, honestly, Jim, the reverse has happened. Miami got a little too cute. After game two, and Denver came in and punked them. Maybe the Heat thought that Denver was a bunch of punks, but they got—they pretty much got dismantled in the way that Miami normally dismantles teams. So it was probably a role reversal uh, last night's game.
1: I think you're right. Vincent Goodwill joining us. So, Vince, what happened? I mean, in part, you just explained it. But what happened to the mighty heat culture that if you can depend on anything, you could depend on that showing up every damn night? Where was it last night?
0: Maybe it was still on the beach somewhere. You know what I mean? We were looking for it all through the building last night. We couldn't find it. You know, I, I think Miami plays better when their backs are to the wall. And that really hasn't been the theme throughout these playoffs. They've stolen home court in every single series. When you're an an AFC, you kind of have to do that to give yourselves a chance. And I think they believed maybe we have a handle on this team. Maybe we have a winning formula. We can keep Joker from, you know, passing out and spraying out to all the shooters. We can sort of control Jamal Murray a little bit. And last night, both of those guys got loose. And that goes against everything he culture stands for. Because you know this gym like I do. If it comes down to Denver playing their best game against Miami's best game, we know who's going to win that. Miami's best game is keeping you from playing your A game or even your B game. Their best game is basically making you turn into your C team. And we didn't see that from Denver last night. So if you're Eric Spoelstra, you're Pat Riley – you're looking at your players, and you're probably challenging their, all types of their manhood today in practice and shoot
1: Vincent Goodwill joining us. Exactly. There's no way like Miami's best does not beat Denver's best. We know that, and you beat me to it. I was going to say, so much for that strategy of letting Jokic get his while making sure you erase Jamal Murray, Hey, eh, Vince? I guess that's not going to work.
0: No, and, and put it like this. You have a better chance of corralling Jamal Murray than you do of Nikola Jokic. I just didn't feel like the Heat put any pressure. They didn't put any force on Murray. They let him go wherever he wanted to go. And a lot of that was on Jimmy Butler, especially early, because Jimmy was his primary defender early in the game, and he was his primary defender in game two. And Jimmy didn't use his length. He didn't use his strength. Murray was able to sort of dictate the terms of the game which was played. And the one thing about the Heat, win or lose, Jim, you know this, Miami is going to dictate the pace. They're going to dictate the terms of which the game is to be played, and they can be fine winning and losing that way. The non-negotiable was Denver doing everything that they wanted to do. Of course, KCP didn't hit shots. Michael Porter Jr. is, is struggling. But you can't let their two best players be the best versions of themselves. There's not many teams in the league who can beat Denver when Murray and Jokic are getting 30 point triple doubles let alone the Miami Heat like we talk a lot about these undrafted players and it's a very like it's a very valid point right that those guys are tryhards but the other side of that is the elevator doesn't go as high when you have a bunch of tryhards
1: Now, especially when, and to your point, Vince, Miami is all about dictating to and not being dictated to themselves. And they didn't dictate anything at all last night. And Vince, what about Jokic? Like, the guy is so incredible. At this point, is there anything that you or I or anybody else can say about this dude that has not already been said?
0: No, honestly, I don't think so. I think the last last hurdle he had to climb was doing it in the playoffs and doing it in games that mattered against real competition. And unfortunately, over the last couple of years, he didn't have the horses with him to run against in in those first rounds when they were getting knocked out. But I never thought it diminished his individual greatness. It's just the final frontier. You want to see the best players doing it in June. It's no fault of his that the circumstances were not favorable to the Denver Nuggets the last couple of years. But it's also his reason for going out there and doing it now. So we don't have anything left to say. There's no caveats, there's no asterisk, there's nothing like that. He ain't Joel Embiid. He ain't the dude that can't get out the second round. He ain't the dude that's climbing up when it gets late. Jokic is, I won't say he's a basketball robot, but he's damn near close to it. He's damn near so inevitable that there's nothing you can do about this dude. And now we're at the point, Jim, where we're saying, why haven't we said this dude was the best player in the league for the past few years?
1: No, exactly. He's the best player in the world. I, I don't think that you can stop this guy. I don't think there's anything you can do about the guy. I don't think the guy is guardable at all. Vincent Goodwill is joining us. Vince, go back to your point about Butler and Jamal. For instance, like, I never, ever would I ever question Jimmy Butler's effort, but he did not do a good job on Jamal last night. Is any of that effort, or do you think that he's starting to kind of hit the wall and gas out a little bit?
0: I think he's already hit the ball, Jim. He sprained his ankle and people forget that because it's, you know, the second round was like five months ago. You know He sprained his ankle in game one against the Knicks and, ha- and has been basically grinding himself back into a rhythm ever since. But Jim, when you're playing every other day for pretty much the last month and a half when NBA teams don't play every other day anymore, that's the negative part of the function of this new schedule that stretches out the regular season, it compresses the playoffs. So pretty much, yeah, while you may do less back-and-forth travel or you know up-and-down travel, you're still playing basketball every other day that the body isn't necessarily used to because of the new schedule. So with Jimmy, it looks like the ankle is bothering him a little bit. It looks like there's a little bit of fatigue there. Is he going to say it? Absolutely not, because he knows nobody cares, and he knows no one is 100%. And you got to remember, Jim, you've got $30 million in salary sitting on the bench right now with a broken hand. Like, you can't discount the amount of weight that has to be redistributed through that ball club to take over for Tyler Hero's absence. Whether he comes back for Game 4, not as immaterial, but Jimmy Butler has to be a guy that basically does it on both ends. And, Jim, I have a hard time naming anybody that plays 40 to 45 minutes of balls-out basketball on both ends of the floor and has to carry an offense and also be the point of attack on defense.
1: No, And even more than that, right, and be the front guy for the entire organization, other than, I mean, Riley and Sposter. But you're right, the guy is so important in everything he does in the tone he sets and on both ends of the floor. Vince, you mentioned Tyler Hero. What about him? Like, what do you think? What are you hearing? Are we going to see him in this series? And then how much of an impact, if in fact we do, do you think he would have?
0: I think he's, is, is trending closer to him coming back, Jim. But I wonder how fair it would be mm-hmm. when he comes back. You know what I mean? You're, when you get Tyler Hero coming back, you're automatically thinking, oh, we're going to pencil in 20 points. We're going to pencil in a shot creator. We're going to pencil in 40% shooting from three. That doesn't seem quite realistic. He's not necessarily going to have his game legs. People are going to be slapping at that hand. When they know, when an opponent knows that you are a wounded animal, they'll take a couple fouls slapping at the hand just to get you thinking. And then also, if you're Eric Spolstra, you're trying to figure out how fair is it to the player to throw him out there knowing all the circumstances, knowing that pretty much, hey, it's all going to be viewed as if we win, you're you're a savior of sorts. If we lose, you threw us all out of rhythm. Who do you take minutes from? But I do think right now, Jim, Miami is at a talent deficiency more than anything else, and Tyler Hero is, is a talent. I would expect to see him in Game 4 more than I would expect him to see him in Game 5 if it comes down to it.
1: So, Vince, finally, is there anything positive that Miami can take from that beatdown last night?
0: Uh, The fans were out, at least early. (laughs) (laughs) But, no, uh, um, I I will You're not wrong about that. No, I know, I know. And, you know, the Heat fans, and trust me, being in Miami, I get why they would show up a little bit on the late side. There's a lot of things you could be doing at 8 o'clock Uh, in downtown Miami but but seriously I do think that the looks that Jimmy Butler got in the paint and bam at a bayou he missed a lot of them but he got good looks I would much rather see that type of Jimmy Butler and bank on okay Jimmy you're going to be that aggressive and the shooters aren't going to be shooting and you have to take 25 to 30 shots at least you're getting to the spots that you want as opposed to taking bad shots him and Bam out if they're going to take the same amount of production, the same amount of usage as Murray and Jokic, of course, that's not a battle you can win. But there is a way that you can narrow the gap. And they weren't close at all in Game 3, but they had a decent amount of looks. I wonder if Spolster would lean into that a little bit more for Game 4, or if they go back to the strategy of saying, hey, Max Strews, Gabe Benson, you guys have to be 40% three-point shooters. But Jim, the season is on the line tomorrow night. I'm riding with my stars before I'm riding with some undrafted guys.
1: Vincent Goodwill, NBA writer for Yahoo Sports, SiriusXM XM, NBA radio host, great jungle contributor as well. Vince, great job. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate you. Always, Jim. Appreciate Always man. great job. Discover credit cards, do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com match. It's time to beef. We do it every single Thursday. Once again, almost no rules. You can beef about anything you want. Let's start with the phones. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Lance in OKC. Good to have you, Lance. What's your beef?
0: Jim Jimmery. How about these people in society who insist on me trying to guess their age when I simply ask them, hey, how old are you? Trust me, you egotistical fart knocker. You don't want that number thrown out there. Do better.
1: Lance. I don't know, dude. If you ask them how old they are, do you not expect a response like that? How old do you think I am? Why are you asking them how old they are? Technically, that's not the best form. Somebody could easily say, I have beef with people asking other people how old they are or how much they weigh or how much their house costs or how much money they have in the bank. Let's go to... Eddie, in New York City. Eddie, what's up? What's your beef?
0: Jimmy! What's up, baby boy? You know who this is? It's ah uh. ah <laughs> I just wanted to reach out to you and say, you know, people, when you're a wordsmith, you get great things from being a wordsmith. But I noticed
2: a lot of these new clones, they have no soul. It's almost like they were made out of AI from some cricket app in uh, Grenada, you know, like all voice, but no soul. I want to hear something clever. You're an icon. We're icons. You got to be able to say something that moves the people. So my beef is with some of these new clones that got no soul. Let's get it together. And uh, also, I heard that I might be uh, eligible for some golden tickets, but I don't know if a man of my status can get one. Let me know. Always great to talk to you, brother. Peace.
1: Peace. Eddie, you're right. We icons deserve better. We icons demand more soul from you callers. I'll let you know about that golden ticket soon, Eddie. Not yet. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Chris in Oakland. Good to have you, Chris. What's your beef? Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. My beef is with Oakland Pro Sports ownership. I mean, we've lost the Raiders twice. We lost the Warriors after winning three
0: championships. And now we're about to lose the A's. We have, a, for a city of 400,000 people, we've won 10 championships in the last 50 years. This is ridiculous, man. And Vegas, stop stealing our teams. I'm out.
1: I hear you. That does suck. 1-800-636-8686. We're burning through telephone calls. It is the beef segment. Get up in here with a beef. If you want to hit me up with a written beef, that works too. Beef at Jim Rome on Twitter. Come on, Chuck. Don't be so wishy-washy. Let's go to Ryan in Santa Barbara. You know I love Santa Barbara. You know I love the 805. That's where I got my start. That's where I went to college. Ryan, what's going on? What's your beef?
0: Romy! What's happening? My beef is with crazy-ass baby mamas serving you court papers, accusing you of being an alcoholic, yada, yada, yada. You witch. Our daughter is
1: 13 years old. Now I have to go pay my attorney another five girl to kick her ass once again in court. What a kook. Good
2: luck in life, loser.
1: Wow, dude. Rhino in Santa Barbara. Paternity smack. Baby mama smack. Attorney smack. See you in court where I'm going to kick your ass again. Smack. Man, that got pretty feisty. That got pretty spicy. That got real. Let's keep trying. 1-800- 636 8686. Why not? Ryan in Sacktown. Hey, Ryan, what's your beef?
0: Hey, what's up, Jared? My beef is with Jeff in Richmond. He's addicted to saying Jim, yet his plump thundercise has never waddled into one. Or Jeff's new ringtone. to all beef patty special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on his uh, face. That's not a good call. No. Do,
1: do you know how bad you have to you be like to get run like during cup. the beef segment? It's
2: not a very good call.
1: Do you know how irresponsible or bad you have to be? That was just bad. Even Alvin had no tolerance for that at all. I didn't even have to look over. Alvin, he, he, you're already done. I started to look up and over like Alvin. Really? But Alvin already brought the hammer. It's one thing to have a horrible smack, idiotic smack, but then to try to get it off from a tunnel... Ryan, what happened to you? You used to at least be good for a beef. All right. Are we moving on to the written portion? Chalk, or are we going to still try and take a telephone call? You know, as long as Larry's beef is with what just happened, why not, right? Larry, you made it in. Larry, what is your beef? Hey,
0: Matthew McCroman. Hey, my beef is with. Ryan, and Sacktown down. Put down your phone, and don't expect Rome to throw you a bone. Now, please turn off that laser beam. Go get drunk and hook up with methylene. I love to see it. Consider that my. No.
2: you don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not a very good call.
1: Pretty funny. So Alvin, why? Like he, you didn't want him. Here's my interpretation. You didn't want him to think that he got through a call without getting run, so you ran him because he was about to style the call and bat flip it? That's it. Larry's like, hey, man, they didn't run me. They like me. I'm funny. That was good. Ah!" They didn't run me. Yes, we did. Alvin was not going to let you bat flip that call, dude. Do a little Barry Bonds pirouette out of the box run with one flap down like jeffrey leonard none of that larry none of that for you Alby's <laughs> cracking me up today all right let's go to the written beefs romsky my beef is with my wife she always has them damn ceiling fans going and pulls the chain to turn the lights off then i walk into a room and i flip a switch the fan is flying around, but the room is still dark and I have to stumble around in said darkness to try to find the chain to turn the light on without breaking a toe. You're out of the room. Flip the switch. Turn all of it off. Do better. Ron in Illinois. That was almost confusing to me. I, I'm not a big ceiling fan guy. In fact, I hate him. Yeah, I know. Another hot take. I don't like him. Rome. I have beef with my four-year-old who told me that I'm wasting his, quote, freaking time because we had to punish him for fighting with his sister. Listen, son, if you don't want to follow the, quote, freaking rules, then you need to deal with your, quote, freaking punishment. Johnny in Green Bay. Jim, I have beef with people who say RIP when someone dies. What else can they do? It's not like a group of obnoxious, inconsiderate corpses in nearby plots are going to be bumping loud music and making a bunch of commotion, all right? Just saying. Hey, Jim and Temecula, <laughs> what else can they do? <laughs> Good one, Jim. Hey, Rome, my beef is with my wife telling me to just give it a year in regards to my crappy job. She seems to have a mighty high tolerance for my misery. Unwar withering away in a job that is clearly a programmatic non-fit. And War Wisconsin summers. Thanks, Chris and Wisco. I will double war that. War Wisconsin summers. Bill in the 704. Romy, my beef is with my daughter. Love her but she's got a spider sense whenever her mother and I want to wrestle. And just before go time, she's knocking on the bedroom door, killing my Alvey impression. Come on! At Trent underscore Jones 18, my beef is with that Russell Wilson-looking sack-of-potato stunt double, Kyle Lowry, getting all this playing time in the second half. Leave him in Denver to do high knees with the cringe to burn off some of that
0: fat... Fat.
1: Well done. DB the Rocket Guy is in. My beef is with guys who refer to their spouse as the wife. She isn't the wife. She's your wife. Or God forbid you use her name. You're lucky she's even married to you, you bastards. Jim, my beef is with extremely tinted window car bag. If you're going to drive like a jackass, at least be forthcoming and not hide like a scared coward. Brett and Bugahaw, defensive driver. It's not bad. Hey, Jimmy, my beef is with beef. It's just so damn expensive. Scott in Milton, Florida, wore medium-rare ribeyes. Dude, it's true. It's true. And I know for a fact because I'm in graduation season, we've been eating a lot of beef. It costs, dude. You're right. Snagger. Look at Otis. Otis in Austin. I, I love that Otis, after all this time, has made it back. And not only made it back, but made it back with game. There's a distinction. Otis writes Snagger. Now, let me say, I, I did say that without reading the beef. But of late, he has shown that he still has game. He still has MPH. Snagger. My beef is with the French Open Tennis Tournament. Why are they playing on dirt? What's the matter, Frenchie? Did the Germans use up all your concrete building all those bunkers during World War II? All right, Otis. I take back everything I just said. Come on, Otis. Frenchie smack? Did the Germans use up all your concrete? Why are they playing on dirt? Otis, that's what makes the French Open the French Open. And it's not dirt, it's clay. Come on, Otis. Wait, you saying break? We got to get out? Oh, clay. Quote, I got hashtag beef with Twitter. Why half-assing it lately? Why are half my tweets not posting? Elon! Elon. Are you not a genius, you knob? Webster's Dictionary defines Musk as follows, quote, The ultimate give-me-an-A or give-me-an-F buffoon, signed Abby, on soon-to-be-burner number five. Soon-to-be-burner number five. This says, my beef is with the yellow rumble strips that you find walking out of a Costco. After going to Costco for one thing and ending up with a flat cart full of stuff, I strategically have my items stacked only to have a 9.3 seismic earthquake shake up the entire cart as I walk over the yellow rumble strips walking out of a Costco. What is the point of having those yellow rumble strips other than to give me a heart attack and hoping my 48 pack of eggs does not fall off the card. Emilio in the 209. Jimbo, I have a beef with people who say I can't even begin to tell you right before they begin to tell you. Jeff C in NC, finally Rome, my beef is with Ryan in Santa Barbara. The only dudes that keep going to court over their divorces are the ones that are not following what's laid out in their divorce decree. Come on, dude, look in the mirror. Aaron in Iowa, now we're done. That was fun. Now I'm done. That worked. Today is another massive day in smack-off season. I mean, they're all huge days once you enter into the season, but this might be the biggest day until the big day itself. This might also be my favorite day of smack-off season that is not the actual day. Because it's always such a wild card. I never know if this day is even going to happen. Or if it does happen, when it's going to happen. What happened the day before? What happened the week before? To my immense surprise and delight, it's happening today. 22 days out. 20, that's got to be a record for Alvy. 22 days out of the main event. Today is Smack Off Promo Day. A.K.A. the day Alvy drops another epic Smack-off promo. And in Alvy's defense, there generally is a good reason why it takes him so long to finish this promo every single year. And you're about to hear that reason. It takes forever because the promo is freaking fire. Every single time. In fact, it's more than fire. Alvin himself said it's fat. It's fiery and fat this year. Fat. He already dropped the fat alarm for the fat promo. And we're not body shaming anybody. We're promo shaming. The promo is fat, fat, fat. In fact, I'd go as far as to say this year's promo might be the beefiest, chunkiest, meatiest, juiciest, fattest, most explosive promo Alvy has ever put together. I can't wait for you to hear this promo. I can't, I wait. can't wait.
0: Hardly this wait. This is not the
1: promo, as you know.
0: I can't
1: wait. I can promise you the promo is going to be better than Hardly this song. I'd bet my life on it my life. I would push my life to the center of the table and say, the promo will be better than that song. No offense to Dino in Vegas, but also offense to Dino in Vegas, because my dude, that's terrible. That's not just an ear bleed. That is an ear bleed version of one of the all-time great songs by one of my all-time favorite bands. It actually hurts me to listen to this. I promise all of you that Alvin's promo will give all of us the exact opposite feeling of the way we feel right now listening to that. I promise. However, really quickly, before we get to the promo, some jungle business to attend to first. First of all, thank you very much for all the prediction videos. They are flying in. They look great. It's not too late for you to get some national run. If you want to send in a video and see yourself on national television, I've got great news. It is incredibly easy. You still have time. In fact, it might be the single easiest way to get yourself on national television. How else are you going to get on national TV? Without doing something really stupid. Without doing something that's going to get you locked up. Without doing something, that's going to ruin your life or somebody else's. This is the easiest way. Just record a 20 to 30 second video Make your smack-off pick. Leave out all nudity, booze, drugs, violence, violence, weapons, porn. Leave it all out and then send it to smackoffpicks at gmail.com. Smackoffpicks at gmail.com. If you send me any of that, it's not going to make it to air. Just know that. In fact, I'm not even going to see it. As for the field, if you know you're in, you're in. But I would still love to hear from you in the form of an RSVP. It's not a requirement, but it is a classy thing to do, right? When somebody invites you to a bash, the most important bash of the year, generally the classy will respond and say, thank you very much, I'm in. Just a really quick RSVP. It doesn't have to be that elaborate, but it's nice to know that you will be in attendance. And it makes the show better. So get up in here, make the show better. You don't have to wait for the 30th in order to do that. Just a quick phone call. Let me know. If you're holding onto a golden ticket, you do have to call. If you're already in, you don't have to RSVP, although it's the right thing to do. But if you're holding a golden ticket, you absolutely have to call. Because if you don't, and you try to play it safe, and you try to crawl in under the radar... To the 30th, I got bad news for you. You're not going to make it. I will hunt you down, and I will chop your ass and rip that golden ticket right out your hands. Don't even try me. Watch, listers, Obviously, you don't have a choice either. I mean, unless your choice is to not to be invited. But if you want in, you need to keep calling. I just want to make that warning very, very clear because the chopper is hovering. You hear that? Can you hear it? It's getting louder because it's getting closer. If you try to play it safe by not calling, I'm telling you, you will end up getting sliced up in those blades. Same as sports. Playing not to lose is going to get you beaten every time. Scared money don't make money. All right. Now that the jungle business is out of the way, it is now finally time. Time for another epic, yet obese, fatty, Smack Off promo. Alvin, before we do it, I know this is Smack Off number 29. I don't think you've done 29 promos. In fact, I know it, because you didn't engineer every Smack Off. How many promos do you think you've done? 15? 10? 12? 12? Oh, dude, I don't know. Just, can I hit play? Can I just hit play, dude? Yes, Alvin. Let it rip. Smack off 29, the promo. The old man, We have a new champion, and he did it for the first time. Caleb in Green Bay. How are you going to celebrate this win? Probably have
0: some, uh, some bratwurst and listen to some polka. I don't know. We'll figure it out. The run you're giving Caleb right now is the furthest this dude's ever run in his life. The kid is out of breath, just listening. Caleb, how many times do I gotta tell ya? Gimmicks are like you. They don't work anymore. Or Caleb in Green Bay, winning the 2022 Smack Off and the Eagle River Hooters Wet T-Shirt Contest. Caleb, the only haters you have is called physical fitness and mental toughness. Caleb, I'd call more if I was like you. No friends. And if my mom did my laundry and laid it out of my race car bed. Anything is possible. It's coming.
1: There are 3 seasons on the sports calendar. Football season, non-football season, and smack-off season. The smack-off the for smack-off number 29 is Friday, June 30th, I 2023 can't win. again. Smack-off 29, Friday, June Harley 30th. It's a winner take all event. 5 grand to the winner, 0 grand to second place. In fact, nothing at all to second place.
0: Don't worry, you're all winners losers john pendergast it doesn't matter how much money you make this week if your heart's gonna explode the next friggin slob those bones headed my way oh. my bosom is full bro i don't mind being a trophy husband. come on you have jeff in richmond who is fake rich and dan in denver who is real poor he says i look like a horse <laughs> well jeffrey patty that's better than a prepubescent david Schwimmer as a bob big boy statue
1: to be clear, this is an invite only event. The ones that are already in know they're already in. Vic in no cow.
0: Fizzle gonna do what Fizzle gonna do. You're like Vignata to me, Jimbo. Kiss-ass little bitch. Oh yeah? Well, well, I wake up at, at 1.40 in the morning. King Victor is back, bitches. How's that grab ya? Rick
1: in Buffalo.
0: I guess if I was as big a loser as Victor, I'd pretend to be other people too. Vic's next move should be impersonating Cal in Vegas and playing dead. What's going on, bro? Trust me when I say he wouldn't be missed.
1: Benny in Wisco. The
2: reason Rick screamed throughout his call, turns out it's because Rick is four foot 11 when rick makes his calls from the local payphone, he's got to knock the receiver off the hook with a broom and scream at the top of his lungs at it while swinging above his head in order for anyone to hear him
1: baby guess what b i c
0: i ray craig letting us know that he is a hobo sexual and that just means he prefers wrestling with a homeless chick on the most drugs with the largest tent, Mark
1: in Hollywood.
0: Brad, you should retire. You're basically the jungle's gronk, slow, dumb. You've won a lot thanks to cheating. And you're a poster child for CTE, cuckold, timid energy. Mark in Hollywood's IMDB page is about as empty and barren as Bella B's womb.
1: From Richmond, Jeff. Oh my
0: goodness gracious, of all the dramatic things I've ever seen, the dirtiest play in the game, Jim. Jeff from Richmond has come back to the smackers. Jeff
1: in Richmond is
0: fat. Hey, Jim,
1: make sure you hold the camera hamburger style. Mark in Boston. I am putting that crown on my head. If I have to take a baseball bat to the person where the power went out. Left in Laguna.
0: War, Jacksonville Jaguars, Shahid Khan sporting that big brown lip sweater that looks like he gave him. A- to Najee Davenport. The
1: Cablan Asian.
0: You're either an obese, sweaty, hump, drunkenly rocking a jersey of some player that wouldn't tee on you, if you were engulfed in flames, or you're a suburban dad whose wife has already spent the five grand you thought you were winning today. Gino. It's like having the hottest wife Gino, at a party. My God,
1: God dude, shut, shut up already. already. Just call on Smack it. Off Day. It. Make it better you F- F- for and yourself. Fans. And there's two other so, fanboys I I in I Texas. Pool Dork and Buttnuts. I, I may be old, suckers, but I won my titles on the real Smack Off Tour, and I'll tell you what I don't need. I don't need to be reimbursed for my expenses. I I don't need my dog's
0: assistance. <laughs> I don't need no soundtrack. Here I am, oh naturel, kicking your ass because I am just better at this than you. The
1: defending champ, Caleb in Green Bay. I don't know how many titles I need to win before I feel like I belong here, but let's not leave any doubt and go back to back just in case, shall we? Caleb versus everybody. Take your best shot, tough guys. I'll see you in my driveway. If you want in the field, get up in here now. You want the big stage. Earn it. I've got a giant stack of golden tickets. There's a bunch of
0: Augustus groups, not Charlie Bucket. And what did I tell everybody to do? I said, say my name, a double dog. Dare you on own? Take my golden ticket, and not one of you single clowns who claim that you're so tough over the phone is saying my name. Say Drizzle's name, say his name. He can't hang up his phone. Right, gonna do some drugs tonight. That guy is a lame. Brandon is a bitch on Freeze. Because you can't spell Richon Freeze without the B.I.C. Dude, where the hell is Mike Vick when we need him? Even Sarah McLaughlin wanted to take a hammer to that dog. Vic, what is this? Your 20th mac off? All you had to do was stick with fake map the plumber and have like seven titles. I got a whole lot of toilets to clean up. Who is Johannes? Johannes Ekerstrom. She just is a mess faced kook. And Matt, if I were you, I would never. Yeah. Uh, redneck and Richmond parlayed this into a season on my 600 pound life. I have to load and manage my lips for the 30th. You can either be great with me, bro. Or you can watch your me calls, stupid ass lies. You can win with me or watch me win. Win what? Another positive herpes test? You're ashen and urn, bro.
1: Now you're all on the clock. You're a boom. Get back in your lane. We are officially counting it down. Raptor, Do you want to be part of an immortal group? Acknowledge me. I'm the age of all y'all's dads. God, I hate these guys. An extremely rare fraternity. I
0: gotta go back to work. I'm an
1: online karate instructor. June Thirty in.
0: time I do declare. I do declare. I do eclairs. I do
1: Smack <laughs> up number 29. Bo-ass bitch.
0: Come get some. Come get some, you little bitches.
1: On Wisconsin. I never wanted that to end. Alvin, the XR40i is standing and applauding. Your best effort ever. And... I'm gonna be honest when I say this. I just previewed that for the first time. He did not play that for me prior to. And the reason for that is I am detail oriented, but when it comes to Alvin and what Alvin does, I don't need to hear it before. Even something that important. In fact, I make a point of not listening to it because I want to hear it live for the first time on air. Alvin, that was so freaking good. That was amazing. I am so hyped. My head's going to explode, Alvy. That was incredible. Alvin said to me earlier, he's like, dude, it's so fat. It's really fat. And when he says it's fat, he doesn't mean like, like, dude, it is so tight. It is so good. He means it's long. He's like, dude, it's really fat, so I'm going to make a shorter version. Don't. (laughs) Don't. Let's just keep running the fat version. I don't want to lose any of that. I don't want any of that on the cutting room floor. In fact, whatever you put on the cutting room floor, I want you to glue back on. I want this thing to be even fatter than it is right now what was the running length of that 640 tell me okay 640 is an eternity for a bit and or a package way too long we never want sound bites going more than 45 seconds that was 640 dude i'd give you three and a half more minutes you should turn that thing into a 10 minute masterpiece give it its own segment alvin 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 Give it its own hour. Alvin, give it three hours. Replace the smack-off with a three-hour promo. Or better yet, do both. Let's do a three-hour promo the day before the actual smack-off. Problem with that is the promo will probably be better. Dude, you're getting carried away. No, I'm not. Don't give me something that good and then think that I'm not going to ask for more, Alvy. Bravo. Incredible. Some of your best work ever. And then I don't want to lose track of the big controversy Thursday or Friday. I'm getting lots of evidence. I've got a picture from the big head James Kelly. It's an incredible picture. It's a picture of Waysen, D-Dub, and KB smashing pizza. He says it's on Thursday. Big head does. Really? Then why are these guys wearing, well, it's Thursday. I was going to say they're buttoned down or buttoned up in this case. I don't know. People are saying it's Friday. Is it Thursday or Friday? We'll figure it out. All right. When we come back, a quick segment. Listen, you're running out of time now. The beef segment's coming up at the bottom. So one more segment and then we beef. 1-800-636-8686. And Alby, once again, great job, dude! Amazing promo, amazing promo. He's the best in the business, the best there ever was. Alvin, bleeping DeLauro. Good night, night.